The reading, the reading is from the second book of Corinthians, chapter 5. Uh, in the Church Bibles, it's on one, page 1,161. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due to us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This, of the, this is the word of the Lord. Morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all as ever. Well, when Mia just asked that question about harvest memories, what flooded back for me was when I was about 14, about 10 years ago. And, um, and uh, I was asked to do a harvest wrap whilst stood on a bale of hay. And, um, oh dear, I cringe at the thought of it anyway. Uh, but the only, um, the only support I had in that was the other person doing this rap was the curate at the time, who was Ruth Pollitt, who grew up here in Shrewsbury. Her dad was the vicar of St. Chad's, so we did this harvest rap together. Anyway, today we're continuing our Sunday sermon series on the strength of weakness, the strength of weakness. So let's pray. Let's pause a moment and ask God to speak to our hearts and into our lives. Lord, grant us the grace to desire you and in desiring to seek your face. And that in seeking that we will find you and love you with our whole heart. And Lord, as we seek you, help us to be mindful of the fact that you are seeking us so much more. Amen. A true story then. The vicar at a harvest festival had asked for all the vegetables that had been brought to church to be arranged in front of the altar table and during the service he asked the children if they could name every vegetable there of course the replies were shouted out potatoes cabbages carrots broccoli leeks cauliflower and swede those are all the ones i could think of this week anyway and following the success of that question he then asked them a follow-up question if they knew one word to cover them all and so one little boy put up his hand and shouted gravy Well, it's true. <laughs> Celebrating harvest is an important occasion every year, isn't it? It helps us to avoid taking the abundance of good things that we enjoy for granted. And we pause and we thank God for food and those who grow it and those who help provide it. And we also remember those who are without sufficient food and nourishment. We remember the frailty of life and crops and that shouldn't go unnoticed at harvest time. We enjoy so much, but even in the UK, we can so easily be reminded of the difficulty in reaping a good harvest. Storms, too much or too little rain. Just wait for that one. And uh, that can so easily affect a harvest, a crop. Each harvest, whilst we celebrate good things, we, en- that we also are reminded that life is temporary and frail and fragile. Interestingly, this theme is never far away from Paul's writing and the passage we heard today. That was true in that case too. Today's section of the second letter Paul wrote to the church in Corinth follows on from where he's written about God's light shining through the cracks in our lives, the faults and the struggles that we have. Treasure in jars of clay, as he puts it. 
Paul is acutely aware that God's power is made known in our weakness. And Paul highlights again why he's not dismayed by the frailty of his body and character or the struggling and suffering that he has to endure. And flowing out of this understanding, there's so much to explore in this section of the letter. And we could spend hours on it. We really could. But I'm going to draw our attention to three main themes and images. So the first one then is this. A tent, our temporary home. Paul knows that his body is nothing more than a temporary structure, a tent, a place where he lives until he experiences the joy of life after death. Now, I think this image is a brilliant one. I'm not keen on camping. Anybody who knows me well will tell you that. And so far, I've always managed to persuade Kate and the children to avoid it. Long may that continue. Uh, I know some love camping, but for me, what puts me off is staying in this temporary structure and knowing that it's so inadequate, especially in the UK. And I, I once went camping in the lakes, in the Lake District, in an inflatable tent, and waking up every morning with the roof of the tent three inches from my face was not an experience I want to repeat. So Paul probably shared my view of camping, even though he was himself a tent maker, because he sees that the struggles of the human body and human life are being um, increasing our frailty, and they're like a tent, therefore, temporary and inadequate. This is what we experience as humans. And so our body is a place where we live in weakness for a time before moving on to a permanent heavenly home. Paul talks about groaning in this state. I wonder in what ways are you and I groaning today? Aware of our mistakes and our failings. Aware of our limitations. Aware of how difficult it is to relate to others. Aware of broken promises and dreams. Aware that life is an uphill struggle. Then be encouraged. This is all to be expected in the campsite of humanity. Where we pass through temporarily and stay just for a time. God has a secure and permanent home prepared for us. When we move on to that place, whenever that might be, all those struggles and weaknesses and frailties will be swallowed up by life. That's what Paul says. Well, that's all well and good, I hear you cry. But this doesn't help me today. What about now? What about what I'm going through right here and now? Well, the promise of a glittering new heaven's home isn't much help now if we're living in a campsite of leaky tents, mud up to our knees, and difficult fellow campers, or at least that's how life can feel. Well, verse 5 of chapter 5 gives us some hope. Paul says this, It is God who's made us for this very purpose, and has given us a spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit is a deposit that's been put down on our new heaven's home. This gift of the Spirit of God that we've received is a cast iron guarantee that this home is waiting for us. And we know, don't we, that the Holy Spirit is our helper, our strength giver, and our guide. He gives us the power to live today and every day, no matter what we're facing. And with the deposit of the Holy Spirit, we have glimpses, we have glimmers of what is to come. And we have the promise of God's presence with us here and now. 
It's an incredible promise. And so, my friends, I want to encourage you, don't lose heart. Instead, rely on, ask for, and lean on the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day. Secondly, then, Paul talks about us becoming a new creation. And having hinted again at life being frail and temporary, like jars of clay, Paul moves on to describe something of the treasure that is found in these jars, the treasure that's found in our lives. And it's this, Christ's love. Christ died for all, Paul says, and all died in Christ. Therefore, the old has gone and the new has come. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And because of this, we no longer live for ourselves, but for God. This is so encouraging for all those in Christ, those who've received his love, allowed it to transform their lives and given themselves to him and died with him, enter into the new life of Jesus' resurrection. And because of this, all that once had power over us or seeks to have power over us still, anything with the stench of death about it, anything that wants to hinder and confuse and grieve and destroy and hold back and bring despair has gone, dealt with through the death of the one who died for all. All our failings and mistakes and hurts and wounds and dreams that lie in tatters in the past are gone, dealt with by the one who died for all. The thing is, though, realising this and living it out isn't always easy because old habits die hard, so they say. Bit by bit, Kate and I have seen how God is making us a new creation. And we see it as a family. We'd like to see it more clearly at times. And sometimes it feels like we're really up against it and we're hindered. But we are aware that we are a new creation. That the old has gone and the new has come. And bit by bit, all of us can become more and more able to live this out. It's a wonderful part of life with Jesus. You, me, we're a new creation. People who live in the reality of all that Jesus has created through his death and rising to life. To borrow the farming image, Jesus has turned over the soil of our lives and he's growing us into something new, a crop like him, a crop that receives its life from him. You know, I think we can spend far too much time being distracted by life's struggles or attractions or addictions. I know I've spent so much of my life doing that. And as a church, we can go through the motions of praising, worshipping and praying to God without actually embracing life as a new creation. And so I encourage us all to resolve to ask God to help us live life as a new creation. We may well be living in the campsite of humanity and all the difficulty of that, passing through on our way to our permanent heavenly home. But we are a new creation in Christ. And this changes everything, you know. Our approach to life, the way we face our struggles, our weaknesses, our values, our relationships, the way we use our money, the way we work, the way we relax, and the way we pray. Today I encourage all of us to claim and take hold of the new life of Jesus, the life that he's won for us. As a church too, as we claim the wonderful truth that we're a new creation in Christ, we will see the life and power and love of Jesus bringing transformation and purpose. 
It can't fail to. So if that was the second of the images we're exploring, then the third and final one is this. We are Christ's ambassadors. Paul makes it clear that Christ's love not only brings about a new creation, it also compels us to share the love that we've received, the love that we've been given. The gift of new creation, the love of the one who died for all, is from God, Paul explains. And through it, he's reconciled us to himself. God has turned us from enemies into his friends. And he's chosen to withhold his judgment in order to share his forgiveness. And so for all those who are in Christ, we share in this work of reconciliation, turning enemies into friends and withholding judgment in order to forgive. Encouraging others to make their peace with God and to receive forgiveness for themselves. You know, this is a high and costly task for Christians, but it is an essential part of being a new creation, which we cannot and we should not ignore because Christ's love compels us. And as ambassadors, we have a huge amount of responsibility. We live in a foreign land. We're different and we stand out and we believe different things to those around us and we should be aware of that. As Christ's ambassadors, we speak on behalf of the King. We speak the words of Jesus and we promote the message of Jesus in the way that we live. As ambassadors, we also carry the honour and respect of our people, of each other. Christianity and Jesus are judged through us by what we do and what we don't do. Our task is as wonderfully rewarding and as terrifyingly demanding as that. I don't know if any of you saw that wonderful programme in the week called Marvellous about Neil Baldwin. Did you see that programme? Yeah. If you didn't see the programme, then if you can get access to BBC iPlayer, I encourage you to watch it. He's a marvellous man and uh, a Christian, a member of uh, the Church of England in this same diocese. And uh, the best thing about him is he comes from Stoke. What more can I say? And he, um, he's an incredible man a really uh, incredible man and an amazing example to us all. And it's no doubt that he's an ambassador of Christ in the way that he goes about things in a very straightforward way. He presents himself um, as a Christian and will very easily pray for people. And uh, it's just a a great great, uh, beacon in, uh, in this country and also for the church. We are ambassadors And we need to remember that. I need to remember that. And the way that we go about things is so important for Jesus. Paul's challenge here is for us not to accept the offer of God's love without there being any purpose to it. I once spoke to a single parent dad who'd worked hard to give his son everything. A good upbringing, good experiences, good education, good times together. But in the end, his son took it for granted and he chose to do little with it. They never fell out, but the son drifted and they lost touch. Of course, there was another side to the story. But what broke the dad's heart was that his son hadn't recognised the love that his father had shown him. And therefore, he felt that it came to nothing. This is a reminder for us to not take our Heavenly Father's love for granted and to do nothing with it. You know, to let it sort of drift by us 
and, uh, and to miss it, to, to not allow it to fully impact or affect and influence our lives, to not fully welcome it and not allow it to have a purpose in us and through us. God loves us for a purpose so that we can share that love with others. He's made us his friends and shown us forgiveness so that we can do the same. He's reconciled us to himself so that we can be his ambassadors of reconciliation in every corner of life. So to finish, be encouraged. Please be encouraged. Firstly, even though at the moment we're living in the campsite of humanity, a temporary home of frailty and struggle, God has secured a permanent home for us where all those struggles and weaknesses will be swallowed up by life. The Holy Spirit is the deposit that's been put down on our new home in heaven. And with the deposit of the Holy Spirit, we have the promise of God's presence with us each and every day. So don't lose heart. Instead, ask for and rely on the Holy Spirit's power. Secondly, we're a new creation in Christ, and this changes everything. Be encouraged to claim and take hold of the new life of Jesus that he's won for us and to live it out. And thirdly and finally, God loves us for a purpose. And that love compels us to be his ambassadors, urging one another to make peace with God and each other through the forgiveness that we all are offered in Jesus Christ. Amen.